All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. Today is Tuesday, June 2nd, 2020, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKDOWN and you'll get $10 off your first order. Today's episode is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your cars will ever need. That's RockAuto.com, R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O. I am your host, Detroit Sports Editor Noel Bianchi, here today, as always, with longtime Red Wings fan and Built Bar advocate, Ethan Smith. I'll be a Rock Auto advocate, too, if, that, if they're going to stick with us. Absolutely. That's a great name, Rock Auto. Uh, and today we are joined by a very special guest. He is a senior writer, as of senior. yesterday, as <laughs> of yesterday, uh, at thehockeywriters.com. He is Tony Wolak. We got him on for a little bit of draft talk. We got him in for a little bit of, you know, off-season state of affairs within the world and the league and, and everything under the sun. So, Tony, we're excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. My pleasure joining you today. Uh, so, Tony recently did a seven-round mock draft for the Detroit Red Wings, which we'll go over with him today. Uh, and if you'd like to follow along with us, feel free to hit up his Twitter, at Tony Wolak for that story, or just go to thehockeywriters.com and click on the Red Wings tab. It'll be right there. Uh, Lots of ground to cover, so might as well just hop right into it. Uh, and we will start here, I suppose. We, you know, we'll, we'll get to the draft in a second, but when the draft lottery proposal came out and I, I looked at the situation, I was like, man, the Red Wings really got screwed. Uh, but I, I feel like the more I think about it, look at the plan, realize all the scenarios, all the dominoes that can possibly fall, I really don't feel like any organization, frankly, uh, is really looking at this being overjoyed. Now that it's been circulation for about a week now, what are your overall thoughts on this thing and, and just how it's going to shake out? You know, when they first announced the lottery odds and the whole placeholder, you know, deal with, uh, you know, who was going to be involved in the lottery, um, it was a little frustrating um, seeing as how some teams will get a shot at not only the playoffs, but also at the first overall pick. And I think it should be one or the other. Um, that said, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. It's the NHL's decision. And, um, you know, as for the Red Wings, we had the same odds at, at the first overall pick as we would have originally. So we're all, let's, uh, let's roll with that. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think at the end of the day, uh, that's, you know, to me that that's something that Red Wings fan can maybe take solace in knowing that, you know, the, things didn't change too much from what they were supposed to be. But I still think there's a lot of frustration between this idea of teams playing in playoff series and then not being considered the playoffs. Yeah. You know, um, you have to look at a team like, like Chicago and Pittsburgh, right? They're blessed with, a, you know, a ton of talent, you know, Chicago, they've had, you know, some down years lately, but they're still in the playoffs. Um, Imagine if they end up getting the first round, the first overall pick, or Pittsburgh seeing Lafreniere uh, line up alongside Jonathan Taves or Sidney Crosby. It seems a little unfair, um, but then again, the Red Wings have been in the basement for the past couple of years, and we're just you know, you know, hoping and you know, praying that we'll uh, end up with the first overall pick after a few years of missing out on it. So the mock draft that you did had the Wings winning the lottery and selecting Alexi Lafreniere number one overall. And uh, while we're on the topic. I did want to discuss a rumor that I heard from Bob McKenzie on the show Insider Trading. He said, uh, quote, when is the National Hockey League going to begin the 2020-2021 season? October, November, December, even January? We don't know. 
Uh, well, one thing I can tell you, Emil Costingway uh, for Alexi Lafreniere is looking at all the options on the table, and that will include seeing if the European club teams are up and operating in September and October. And uh, obviously just speculation, a possibility, but I, I was just kind of curious to get both of your thoughts on this. And Tony, we'll start with you. Sure. So, you know, looking at the, the playoffs, um, best case scenario, they start August 1. And, you know, with the extra play-in round um, and round-robin uh, games that will be going on, and then, you know, the, the multiple rounds thereafter, I'd expect the playoffs to run two months, if, you know, into early October, right? Mm. Um, so that leaves, you know, not a lot of time for like an off season. If you want a, you know, full 82 game slate and, you know, not, you know, completely compressing the season into a couple of months. So my personal opinion, I don't see the NHL kicking off its, uh, 2020, 21 season until January 1st, you're going to need a couple of weeks after the season concludes, um, to, you know, go through free agency, go through the draft, go through the awards. Um, and that's going to take you into November at the very least. And then you're going to need, uh, you know, some time just to not play hockey and, you know, like for the teams who are in the playoffs and, you know, recoup a little bit, um, and then jump into training camp in December. And before you know it, it's Christmas. Um, there's the annual break around then. So it only makes sense to start around the, um, you know, the first of the new year, but that's just, that's just my opinion on the matter. Well, Ethan, I want to get your thoughts on this too, but. The season potentially is ending in October. You're crowning, crowning a champion in October. I think it's even ambitious to say, you know, January, February. But I guess it, it'll be interesting to see how much the, uh, the conversation about rest and making sure the guys have time off will come into play because you will obviously have, you know, a handful of teams who just got through the hardest hockey that they've played all year, two months of it, every other night, bang, bang, bang. But then you will also have teams who haven't played in eight months. So do you take the fact that the playoff teams who made that deep run did have a pretty long rest before that and go ahead and cut the offseason short? I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle this. But, uh, Ethan, what do you got? I just don't know how they're going to fit an 82-game schedule starting in January. I just, If anything, I would see like a 48-game condensed or even like a 60 or something. But I just don't see how that's going to work. Like you said, Tony, it's – that and, too, going back to Lafreniere, I don't – is this going to be like a he's going to start the season there and then come back once the NHL comes back in? Mm -hmm. He can put an out clause in on his contract. I would oh, have to sure. imagine that would be it. And I know Stutzel, too, could arguably, if he's going to make a uh, run at a spot next year, I mean, there would be an out clause there, too, since, I mean, he's already over there. He's going to start the season there. But I eh, – hopefully – Hopefully there's an out clause in there. <laughs> well, hopefully if the Red Wings get him anyways. Uh, so yeah, right. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care <laughs> if we don't get him. He can stay over. Yeah. Uh, let's hop into your mock draft. You got Alexi Lafreniere. You won the, you won the mock lottery draft. I mean, Thank you. Take Thank me you through your emotions. Because, when, when you know, that, that just gets people excited. You had a chance, the same chance as the Red Wings, and you did it, so why can't they? I mean, yeah, we've we've all gone on Tankathon, simulated the, the draft lottery a hundred times, and you know, pr more often than not, the Red Wings don't win the first overall pick. So, I went in. Um, I used uh, uh, a new a new mock draft simulator from Draft Prospects Hockey, um, 
hit the simulate button for the lottery. And what do you, wouldn't you know it? The Red Wings landed the first overall pick. So I'm like, I'm done. I'm not pressing that button anymore. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and start, uh, start drafting here. And, and yeah, um, uh, Lafreniere was the, uh, was the clear choice. Number one pick for the Red Wings. He's the complete package. Um, he's like, what, what, you know, what's there not to like about this kid? He's, solid skater he's a magician with the puck uh he's got a wicked shot um unreal hockey sense and he's i i believe it was scott wheeler who said you can drop him next to dylan larkin or anzi kopitar next season he won't skip a beat like he's mm-hmm. NHL already he's got the size um you know he's a foundational uh you know player for the rebuild that the red wings desperately need and just so you guys know i am two weeks away from going to a wedding, which might not mean much to you. And it might not have much to do with this episode, but I am trying to get in shape because I'm going to be in lots of pictures that last a lifetime. I'm standing up for my friend, Frank on zoom. No, it's going to be a, it's an in-person. Okay. We're wearing masks. <laughs> Social distancing. That's uh, awesome. But I got to make sure that I'm looking trim. And one thing that is certainly going to help me in my quest to do so is the built bar for me. A guy who tries to be health conscious, but is always on the go. The Built Bar has been the answer to all the problems that I've been having. They're perfect for the health conscious guy on the go. You can lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. And the bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. I really can't imagine a better way of getting through the day. You know, those midday cravings that I get, those late night cravings that I used to get. Instead of going downstairs and looking for the pizza rolls or looking for the quesadilla maker, now I just grab a Bilt Bar. I'm full all night, and when I wake up in the morning, I don't feel like a piece of crap. So you can be experiencing that same feeling by just going to BiltBar.com, using the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BiltBar.com. Do not wait. I don't have any time to wait. I, I don't see a world that I could get that done without the Built Bar. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on, $10 off. RockAuto.com. Now, if you've never heard of RockAuto.com, here's the gist, guys. I'm not a big car guy at all, but my dad is. And uh, I had a car when I was in you know, my first couple years of college that broke down probably every one or two weeks. And it would have cost so much money to be constantly going to the mechanic shop, constantly be getting stuff fixed by the professionals. And if you're somebody who's a handyman at home, or if you know a handyman who can help you get your car problems fixed, Rock Auto is the way to go. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. They always offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market is. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or login. That's R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O.com. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about it box so they know we sent you. They got amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. You know, I think the Tankathon uh, website was a lot more fun when the Red Wings finish like ninth from the bottom. Cause now when you do it, like it's just frustrating, like when they don't get it. And so it, I, I miss like when they were picking like eighth or ninth and you go on there and you'd hit it and you'd be like, dude, I hit it 26 times and they won it three. It's just like a lot, 
lot more fun. Uh, I think a lot of people think that Quentin Byfield is going to be the consensus number two, but what does your big board look like from two through four? So, yeah, so Byfield is my number two player, and if the Red Wings end up with that pick, um, you know, they're getting a great center to pair with Dylan Larkin for the next 10, 15 years. Um, he, you know, like, like Lafreniere, he has NHL size. Um, but what I think, you know, makes Byfield stand apart is just like the, the overall physical game that he can bring to the table. Like he, he's six, four and he knows how to use it. Like he, um, you know, again, he's playing against other people in his age, um, may not be as strong as him, but, um, based on, you know, what I've read and what I've seen, um, he has the offensive skills and the hockey IQ that it'll translate well to the next level. Um, and then moving on to uh, just the other uh, two picks, or sorry, two players real quick. Um, number three, I had uh, Stutzel. Uh, number four uh, was actually Marco Rossi. Um, a lot of people have Lucas Raymond in that slot, but um, at least from the Red Wings perspective, they could use another center. And I know, you know, you're probably going for best player available at that point, but um, Rossi, while he is a little undersized, like you gotta, you gotta love everything about him. Like he is a rink rat. Like that guy lives, eats and breathes hockey. Mm -hmm. Um, He has that, that drive like Dylan Larkin has to continually get better and better every single day. Um, and it's shown with his unreal uh, campaign he just had. And, you know, he has the offensive skill set, the skating, the face-off, you know, abilities, you know, the whole package to mm-hmm. compete at the NHL level. Marco Rossi, he's somebody that, you know, kind of shot up a lot of draft boards, you know, over the past year. Is there somebody to you who also has climbed uh, as of late and, and could make a play for maybe a, f- a fourth overall selection? You know, I've seen a lot of people uh, rank Jake Sanderson up high, um, Noel Gundler as well. Um, I think the top, I don't know, top seven picks are pretty set with the the four players I mentioned, plus uh, Lucas Raymond, Cole Perfetti, and, you know, actually top eight picks with uh, Raymond, Perfetti, Holtz, and uh, uh, Jamie Drysdale as well. I would probably expect Sanderson to jump into the top 10 just because, you know, it it would be a a little unlikely to see only one defenseman drafted in the top 10, but um, I don't know. You could have some, you could have this year's Moritz Sider as well, you know, jump into the top 10. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Before we go into the mock draft, can you just explain like how uh, maybe what your strategy was going into it? Uh, the first overall pick that was, you know, pretty plain and simple, but I guess going on from there, two through seven, what did that look like? So ideally I wanted to draft a variety of players. Um, I didn't have a preference for handedness, but you know, Red Wings could probably use more right-handed shooters. Their prospect pipeline for righties isn't all that deep. Um, and then I also prioritized forwards over defensemen. Um, the Red Wings drafted all the defensemen last year. They got Sider, they got Tuo Misto, they got Albert Johansson, they got Cooper Moore, they got Gustav Berglund. Like, mm-hmm. they're good. And this, this year's draft class is a little weak on defense. And then the 2021 class is uh, pretty deep um, from early indications for defensemen. So I think the Red Wings could afford to prioritize forwards here a little bit. 
So I was wondering um, if there's anybody that's slipping outside that top four that either you would like to see the Red Wings draft, maybe package a couple of second round picks or a prospect. Granted, you know, where you see this person in the first round going or something that you would see maybe Eisman maybe taking a chance on trading up to get a second first round pick. And this could be completely fantasy, just somebody that you <laughs> really like. Ethan is like the Askarov. eternal optimist on this show. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, if Askarov falls to the 20s, I wouldn't mind seeing Eisenman package the number 32 pick and then another uh, draft to, to take him. Um, the Red Wings really don't have any NHL-ready goalie in their pipeline. And not that Askarov would jump right in, but there's no sure, there's, there's no sure thing there. Um, you know, Bill Blarson, Keith Petrozelli, uh, Jesper Eliasson, they could reach the NHL, but they also couldn't. If they had a blue chip mm. prospect like Askarov, then, you know, their uh, prospect pipeline will be a lot more well-rounded for the future. So that's the, that's the hypothetical dream scenario <laughs> if he falls that far. But honestly, I don't anticipate him packaging no. up picks and moving up. Okay. I got another great deal for you guys on today's show, and this time it's coming from Mima Remedies, a CBD company providing full-spectrum CBD hemp oil and flour. They're owned by Michigan State alums and Southwest Michigan residents. Their CO2-extracted full-spectrum CBD from hemp is organically grown in Oregon, where MEMA founder Brandon Denler got his start working in the industry with Michigan State alums. But now, to celebrate MEMA's first season growing their own hemp in Michigan, we are giving Lockdown listeners 25% off at MEMAremedies.com. That's M-I-M-A Remedies.com. They have full-spectrum extract retains terpenes and flavor of hemp flour with no additives or flavoring. All products are third-party lab tested and always below 0.3% THC. If you're looking for a high-quality CBD products from a brand you can trust, Mima is a match made in Michigan. Once again, that's M-I-M-A, remedies.com. Enter the promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout and give 25% off. It's that easy, 25%. From what we've seen from Steve Eisman, every move that he's made, I would say more or less uh, since he or, you know, came back to Detroit has been that of a, a pretty shrewd one. Yeah, Absolutely. I'd say so. Like looking at the trades that he completed even early on in his tenure, um, a couple of them didn't pan out, but they were they were like sneaky, like interesting moves, like bringing in Brandon Perlini. We we all know how that how that played out, but mm -hmm. you know, giving giving a a, a larger player with a, a good track record in the down season, giving giving him a chance to come in and make a name for himself. Again, it didn't pan out, but it was a good thought process. And as we all know, the, the Robbie Fabry trade was, was you know, uh, we, I think we were all shocked when, we were, when the Red Wings were able to get Robbie Fabry for uh, Jacob Delarose, and that turned out, I mean, he's definitely going to be a, you know, a complimentary player in the rebuild for the next five years or so. So, I mean, that's, that was a shrewd move on his part, as you mentioned, um, so yeah, I, I'd anticipate that you know going into the draft he'll you know play the same cards, but also he you know as for trades, I can definitely see him pulling the trigger and making some you know some headlines with uh, moving some players out who you wouldn't expect or just making you know making some other moves to just continue to bolster piece by piece for this rebuild. 
you have the Red Wings uh, with their two second round picks going after Jacob Perot. And at number 51 overall, you got Vasily Panamarioff, uh, both forwards after the selection of Lafreniere. I know you mentioned you kind of went a little bit forward heavy, but I'm just curious to know how much of knowing Steve Eiserman's draft strategy, maybe just looking back at what he did last year, what he's done in Tampa Bay, kind of went into the uh, thought process when making these selections. Sure. So he's Eiserman's always, in my opinion, he's always looking for players with like interesting skill sets where they're, you know, really highly rated and maybe one or two things where they can continue to build and be a more well-rounded player. And that applies, you know, throughout the draft. Like as you get into the later rounds with the, the really raw players, maybe one player is, you know, extremely talented with, uh, with, you know, his passing or, you know, skating or, um, has a great offensive mindset but isn't polished in the defensive zone. Um, so with uh, Jacob Perot and with uh, Vasily Ponomaryov, um, both of them um, are very talented forwards who could you know, possibly go in the first round as well. Um, but in my mock, they ended up falling to you know, where the Red Wings were picking at number 32 and number 51, respectively. And um, you know, each brings something different to the table. Perot is very much a goal scorer. Um, he's rounded out his game over the past year, uh, which is great. But he, you know, he's definitely a shooter. And he's someone who can, you know, play a, maybe not a line driving role, but he can score. Um, so, you know, as we've seen with the Red Wings over the past couple of years, they're definitely missing out on goal scorers. They can definitely use more players who – um, create offense and can, you know, actually finish. So uh, Perot fits that category. While Ponomaryov is more of a playmaker who can uh, drive play a little bit more and, and uh, feed his wingers. Well, then with the uh, third pick in the second round, number 58th overall, this one from Washington, uh, you got Casper simon Taval. Uh, you know, what did you like in him and, and kind of what was going through your mind when you made that selection? How does he fit into to the future plans? He's only five foot nine, uh, 172 pounds. So, yeah, uh, Casper Simon Taval, he, you know, he's a slippery player. Like, you know, he's a little undersized, but if you look at a lot of the top players in this draft, they're all undersized. So, you know, as far as his, as his age bracket goes, I, I think it's perfectly fine that he's, you know, five foot nine, 170 some pounds. Um, he's going to grow, he's going to get stronger. And he's just been a, like an offensive threat so far in his, uh, in his career. Um, he, he, not only is he strong in the offensive zone, but he's uh, like, just, I want, I want to call him like a pest in a Brad Marchand sense, but just like, he competes hard and mm. he has a, a strong IQ, a hockey IQ to know where to be on the ice. Um, but he has just that, that compete level that Eiserman loves um, at both ends of the ice and can be, you know, trusted late in the game, regardless of the score. How important do you think it is for Steve Eiserman to kind of be on the forefront of, you know, seeing how the game's evolving and saying, okay, I got to do this, this, and this to prepare. Yeah, you find NHL teams tending to copy each other pretty often. Um, you know, when the when the Caps won the Stanley Cup a few years ago, um, you know, st- teams started to you know load up on heavy players just because that's the the way the Caps played and ended up winning. Um, you know, with Iserman, I, I think his, you know, he always wants players who will compete and players who are coachable. So that way, whichever way the game goes 
you know, five, year, five years down the road, but when these players are in their prime in the NHL, they can adapt to that situation. Um, you know, looking at uh, Simon Duvall, he, uh, you know, he's that like water bug, slippery player. Um, you've seen how well Victor Arvidsson's been playing in Nashville. I, I wouldn't necessarily call him a, a, like a comparison there, but, you know, it's the same, it's a similar style of hockey that, you know, is, is starting to thrive in the league now. And you'll, you'll probably see some, you know, back and forth between, you know, a heavier game versus a more skilled, smaller game. But you have to think with the way the NHL is taking, um, you know, safety precautions with hitting and adjusting the rules and, um, you know, with just about everything minus concussions, of course. But um, you, you're likely to see those players, you know, thrive in the future and have a little bit more wiggle room around them. Okay, so we should probably pause it right there for today's episode. That will do it. I really enjoyed his insight on these later rounds, especially N plus two, him answering my Ask Rob questions too. I just mm-hmm. want the Red Wings to jump up in the draft. <laughs> Get, let's just give like five or six picks. I love that. I would love having a solid goalie. Uh, we got more coming from Tony tomorrow. We get more into the later rounds, you know, what the Red Wings are looking for, why he chose the selection of players that he did, and much, much more. I'm very excited for it. And if you're excited for it too, do yourself a favor, subscribe to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Have that waiting for you when you wake up tomorrow. And also follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Red Wings. You can get me on there at Nolan Bianchi and my friend Ethan there at Ethan Smith. Thought he was being pretty cool with, you know, all switch of the letters and stuff like that. But when your last name's Smith, I guess, you know, you got to get creative. Uh, hats off to you. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow. Thank you.